When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there, and welcome to WTA Weekly uh, for the last week of, well, top-level women's tennis of the year. Um, much as we herald the WTA finals, um, really, it's all uh, it's all about the Billie Jean King Cup as the finale to the, the main women's tennis season. There are obviously ITFs and things still going on. Um, it might be worth keeping around there to see if anyone can sink themselves up the rankings um, to get into either an Australian open seeding like Anna Navarro is trying to do or uh, get themselves a top 100 space like um, Alicia Parks did at the back end of last year. Mm. Um, but that's not what this is about. This is about the Billie Jean King Cup. And I am here with our man on the ground, John Silk. John, how are you doing? You feeling fresh? Yeah. Um, actually, been pretty fatigued, I would say, the last 12, 24 hours or so. But... um. I, the tournament had a crescendo of short of sorts, um, not quite the drama of, of other team events when when we've had it go down to the sort of final point of a of a doubles encounter. But I still think there were plenty of highs that we'll be touching on today. Yeah, agreed. And there's there's been there's been a few stories that kind of come out of this one. I think um, I think why don't we start with the the biggest story, which is Canada have won the leading women's national uh team event international team event for the first time ever in the history of fed cup Billie Jean king cup whatever you want to call it um mainly spearheaded by leila fernandez um i mean there's been other stars of the show like everyone in that canadian team did a great job um but really it was all about it this this week's kind of been all about fernandez really yeah and i had a i mean you, you, there were sort of two or three players this week that I thought this week could be about, if you like, and she was one of them. Daniel Collins was another one uh, who played superbly as well. Uh, on another day, in another moment, you know, they knock out the Czech Republic and it's Daniel Collins who we're talking about here right now as being the sort of star, the person who carried or or took responsibility, I think is a better way of putting it in Layla's uh, case for the team because uh carried wouldn't quite do it justice bearing in mind the unbelievable role of course that stakusic played as well and we'll be coming to her i'm sure at various points throughout the show hi kid uh thank you very much for um 
for that year as, as well. So there'll be plenty more of those press conferences coming as well from the Davis Cup, where we also have accreditation. So we'll be there in about just over a week from now or bringing you stuff from there. From Actually, probably less than a week from now, because Sunday, Monday will be the sort of build up press conferences. But um, that is for another day. Yeah, Layla, I saw her practicing on Tuesday and I thought, hmm, could be your week. I mean, I know we say that about a lot of players and then at the end of the week we go, yeah, I told you so. But I did think that she might enjoy this responsibility, if you like. And, and that's the key word. You know, she was sensational. She was taking the ball so early. Um, I spoke to her about that and she said that she wanted to have sort of front foot tennis and she showed that. I mean, in the in the last match, she she won it six two six two, which probably does tell the story. Uh, in that uh, encounter she had with with Paolini, um, she won all of her singles matches. She also got in on the doubles action, winning that. And uh, probably you could argue that the main win for them was on the Saturday when they came from one zero down to the Czech Republic, ultimately prevailing again thanks to Layla. Um, so, yeah, she was the star. She was indeed. Uh, you were talking about her taking the uh, the ball early, and uh, that seems to be key, key to um, her kind of form. But like, she's been in great form since kind of the end of the Asian swing, where she she won that title um, in Hong Kong, I think, um, yeah. and then again, had a couple of bats scraps with Siniakova. Um, But th that obviously seems to give a nice momentum going into this, and it's been a good end of season for her. What were conditions like? Were they fast? Were they slow? slow gritty slow. um these was something that i think most of us were keen to find out at the beginning uh the it was a sort of hurry together not is not the case not at all i think it was a, a perfect environment but it was uh it's a temporary sort of scenario it's not like they, they were rocking up at a permanent venue which is used for tennis it was played in uh, something that's curiously known as the Olympic Stadium in Seville, although they've never actually had an Olympics. They bid for an Olympics and decided to build a stadium and call it the Olympic Stadium, but then they didn't get that Olympics. Uh, and in fact, the the stadium itself is a bit of a white elephant in that it barely gets used for 12 months of the year because there's two football clubs that have their two stadiums already. So they tried to use it as and when they can, and the Billie Jean King Cup was an opportune moment. So they had that kind of on what would normally be the grass in, in the middle, if you like, but obviously they had it built and they had, apparently there was wood underneath um, the actual surface itself. But, but a lot of the players said it was fairly uh, gritty and hard. Um, regarding the sort of environment as well, it was a really good Billie Jean King Cup atmosphere. The stadium uh, off the top of my head would be about 1500 capacity. So not massive, but every single match was probably somewhere between half full and full. You know, the Spanish ones were obviously full. There was two courts as well, by the way. Um, so that the smaller one probably had a bit less than a thousand capacity. But it was great to see that the Czechs, which seem to just love to travel and probably earmark this weekend or this week every year, and then off they go. There was a few hundred Czechs at all the matches that they were playing. Plenty of Canadians, plenty of locals getting involved. The atmosphere was, was, was loud and, and vociferous as we like it for these sort of team events. And I just want to say that it was a, a stark contrast to certain other tournaments that we've seen in the last 12 months that we see every year on the tour where we, we're watching it and the options aren't good on TV. But here, they very much were. That's amazing. And because uh, I was wondering about it, because we've seen how Davis Cup with its sort of Spanish base has struggled a little bit, but it's great to see yeah. them turning out 
um, in force for the Billie Jean King Cup. So um, maybe Seville is a better location than, Madrid, than uh, Malaga. Um, maybe, you know. or maybe more than Madrid. Have they had the Davis Cup in Malaga before? Um, or in recent years? Because uh, I remember the one in Madrid in 2019. Yeah. Um, I can't remember where it was last year, but um, but I would have thought Malaga would get even more international because, I mean, Malaga is a smaller city than Seville, but Malaga is is a popular tourist destination. I guess it just depends on who's playing. I mean, this year they might have a bit of luck with Britain qualifying. Um, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of Brits there uh, traveling over. And also there's a lot of Brits living near Malaga anyway. So, but yes, yeah, Seville took, um, I mean, there's a lot of school kids going at various points earlier in the week as well. Um, even uh, I'm in a, in a very small suburb of Seville and at breakfast this morning, the waiter said, uh, I said, oh yeah, I said, where are you from? I said, from the UK. I said, what are you doing here? I said, I've been working at the tennis event. He went, oh, Billie Jean King Cup, you know, and it was just something like, okay, that's interesting that the 55-year-old waiter knew about this, you know. I think there's been a lot of, albeit not around the city, there wasn't, I was hoping to see sort of these posters and stuff around the city and the big banners and whatever you get to see, but I didn't see that. But what I think they did do is they did do a bit of a media drive and certainly in and around all the schools for the matches that didn't involve Spain, they made sure that they got plenty of kids involved too. Yeah, so they they really kind of promoted it, which is something that obviously we didn't talk. We talked about sort of something not happening with and other not too expensive. Yeah, I know, and not too expensive. Yes, I know, not too expensive either, Nick. I know someone who paid. I think they paid fifty five euros, uh, so about fifty quid uh, for uh, <clears throat> Saturday, both ties. So that oh wow, potentially is six and the no and the final. So that's fifty five euros for for basically three ties. That's incredible. That is yeah. such good value for money. That's that's got to be one of the best tickets. In I mean, tennis. you basically get to see a match of tennis for ten euros each, more or less. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a that's a really good gig. Okay, note to self: um, check out Seville for when Billie Jean King Cup is back in twenty twenty four. And note to all the viewers as well: if you can get to Spain, um, check it out. Is it it's coming be... back to Seville next year? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's it's back in. Oh, Seville. I hope so. Oh, that would be I, great. I, I heard it was, I've heard only it been was. here a week. I should have known this, I know. But um, that would be great because I think that can also give the tournament momentum because uh, then people will know, people will talk about it this year and then they'll be able to come back next year, you know, when they're like, oh, I didn't realise it was going to be. So I heard about it and I wish I'd gone. That's the kind of thing that might might help it even more next year um, yeah. where they, they can even maybe make, make the stadium a bit bigger. Okay, no, I can't see anything officially confirming the venue. I just heard someone say it was at Seville okay. again. But I mean, Conchita Martinez was the um, was the sort of tournament director this week. Although I must say, I didn't see much of her myself. But I'm sure she was very busy doing lots of other things than worrying about where talking tennis were. Um, but as uh, hopefully you will have seen one or two bits and pieces we did from there. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing some spontaneous live streams, including one that lasted seven minutes because during the live stream, it was like uh, the USA team are coming to press conference now. So Carlos, who sort of jumped on the stream with me and I said, we'll abandon this. and We'll come back in half an hour um, so we can sort of kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. But um, yeah, uh, it was a good time. Good time. All right. And uh, I really do hope that uh, Seville, you know, can get other tennis tournaments, if not Billie Jean King Cup, then something else. I know it has a challenger which comes during the second week of the US Open, uh, which, to be honest with you, I will try and get, of course, uh, press accreditation for, for the US Open. But if I don't get it, I'll probably come over. So I'll pop down Seville. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, 
that would you know, that might be quite fun. Might, might run into Damien down there. Yeah, Damien is in Sweden right now. Now, if if Poland is deep and dark, I don't know where Sweden is on the on the <laughs> darkness um, barometer because uh, it's uh, it's pretty dark up there right now. But he's there at a challenger, and he was in Germany at a challenger a couple of weeks ago. And yes, put it like this: Seville is much sunnier than than those locations. Let's go back. To, let's go back to the tennis. Yes, um, sorry, Nick. I have got. No, no. I think, well, I, I wanted to talk about the tournament anyway, and I think it's it's worth talking about. So the reason why I initially asked about the conditions was actually uh, because I wanted to sort of get an idea of it. So it doesn't surprise me that obviously Fernandez was feeling the ball pretty well, but she does like slower conditions. She's obviously in in the past done very well at the French Open. Um, yeah, she's yeah. been very successful in Mexico, which tends to be a sort of a slow hard court type vibe over there. The US um, Open is the slower of the two hard court slams, I think. It is, yes. I mean, it's not super slow, but yes, no. I think I think she was benefited a little bit from the, the balls they had that year, maybe. Okay. Um, she, but... by the way, Nick, she got, before I forget, she got her first top 10 win since that US Open run at the Billie Jean King Cup, beating Voldrusova. I mean, being Von Drusseva is, is impressive. And I know you might say that Von Drusseva might be tired, but I spoke to Vondi about this after the match. Can I call her Vondi? I don't know. Just did. Um, <laughs> and uh, she said, no, no, she was physically fine. But, you know, Layla was just sensational. Yeah. And, and yeah, you, you can't say that because uh, Von Drusseva is a grand slam champion, but we know how good Layla Fernandez is because you say, like, first top 10 wins since that US Open, where she beat uh, two grand slam champions plus an eventual Grand Slam champion in Sabalenka. Um, yeah, lost in the final, yeah. of course. Three world number ones, Kerber, Osaka, Azarenka. Um, and Sabalenka, Sabalenka would go on to be one. To, to Sabalenka, one. not Azarenka. Yeah. Uh, wrong Belarusian. Um, uh, so the, her being able to beat Von Drusheva, um shouldn't be a surprise on, on her day. Um, I mean, she also showed a lot of that grit and determination in, in coming from behind in certain matches and tight matches. And many of her, not the final, of course, as I mentioned, winning two sets to love, 6-2, 6-2 over Paolini. But a lot of, of her run did involve some, uh, yes, yeah, some incredible sort of moments of, of grit and determination and, and some lobs and some, some excellent winners down the line at, at, at big moments as well in tight matches. How much of... Her, do you think she was like primed and ready to go once she beat Sara Sripas Tormo in a match that, even though it was two sets, took almost three hours? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, there was another match that Sripas Tormo was involved in uh, against Poland, I think. I'm going to say it was Lynette on Friday. And I think uh, I watched an entire match whilst she was still in the tiebreak of the first set. Um, <laughs> And we were joking about the second set being sort of 20 minutes old and it's only one all and this sort of thing. I say we, Carlos and I, who I hung out with quite a bit over the last seven days, um, hung out, by the way, mainly in the press room. I, I went to the bar from time to time, but Carlos was ploughing on through. Carlos um, is an actual professional. Yes, he is an actual professional. Uh, and, and that's probably why Punta de Break have almost 60,000 subscribers. And we're pushing 4,000, actually. We're actually very close. I expect to get to 4,000 probably sometime this week, uh, particularly with the ATP finals um, gathering pace. But um, yeah, uh, so anyway, but yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, so he was talking. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think she did gather momentum throughout the week and yeah, just brought her best tennis. And whether that's, 
whether that was the conditions, whether it was the fact that she enjoyed the responsibility, whether it was the fact that she just felt confident on the back of Hong Kong and one or two other results, uh, whether it was one or two other players feeling a bit jaded towards the end of the season, I don't know. But it all came together very nicely for Layla and Team Canada. Well, I'm very much here for uh, Layla Fernandez um, coming into 2024 as a potential contender. Big fan of the way she plays tennis. Um, and I think um, she's a name that gets, she, she's someone who gets crowds involved, who's going to be very popular. And I think she, her being, her playing well and being a contender can only be good for tennis. Um, and I've also been, and obviously she's been featured, she's currently for a couple of years been like the future of Canadian tennis, given that uh, obviously her age, she's nearly 21, or about, she's 21 now, I think. Um and uh, yeah, she's twenty one. Uh, yeah, and uh, but obviously, like we haven't heard too many uh, things about up and coming Canadians until now, because um, a name you mentioned earlier, a name that I haven't been familiar with because she's been way down in the rankings. Um, but uh, yeah, eighteen year old Marina Stakusic, um, now ranked two hundred fifty something in the in the WTA rankings um yeah one pretty much all but one of her matches is that right yeah that's right she had three singles matches and she won two of them uh her landmark victory i think was on the first day or certainly in the first match that they had uh against the swiss i'm gonna say uh so she won that one which kind of like was the one where it's like that came out of nowhere uh, probably it, almost as equally surprising as the fact that she beats trevisan um in the final on sunday and I, I probably I would put that maybe even higher because of the way it happened. So she goes up 4-1 in the first set against Trevisan. And Trevisan, by the way, have been playing very well this week too. Both her and Paolini, quite similar, um, you know, levels in terms of the rankings. And 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 bearing in mind one or two absences here, such as um, Iga Sviontek, of course, in terms of the fact that she was in Cancun on Monday. You know, it was, she was already planning on not coming, you know, bearing in mind the final could have been on Sunday. But the way Cancun went, I'm sure that Iga was probably quite relieved that she made that smart decision. And, and we can talk about the scheduling of the two tournaments another time. But of course, I think you and I would both love to see these two tournaments a bit further apart in terms of the calendar and maybe a little bit closer uh, together in terms of the geography. Uh, that might help uh, get the best players in the world appear at what they rightfully call the sort of World Cup of Women's Tennis. Anyway, Stakusic. So in the final, she's 4-1 up in the first set over Trevisan. She then loses five games in a row, including her serve twice. The first time was on a double fault. And I'm thinking, my goodness me, what a, what a mental uh, mountain she now has to climb to get back into this match. I assumed that the first set was going to get away from her. Uh, she was 5-4 down. Trevisan was serving for that first set because she'd come from a break down to then go up a, a break. And uh, she then breaks Trevisan, I think, to love, but she certainly does it convincingly. And I thought, wow, what a response. And I actually asked both the captain, but also uh, Stakusic after the match, you know, how did you do that? You know, you're 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 a newbie. You're not. Yeah, this is supposed to be a little bit more difficult to take these sort of mental jolts, and it was a mental jolt. And you could see that the second break almost came because of the first one, especially as it came on a on a double fault, as I said. 
Um, and against somebody of Trevi Sand's stature in the game and somebody who's, you know, who's who's not quite been there, done that and, and, and said that won the T-shirt. But you know what I mean? Trevi Sand is obviously much more uh, established than, than Stakusic. But she did come back and then she won the next three games to win it 7-5. The coach, by the way, also said that she threw her in there. And I think not everyone was sure that Stakusic... She'd won one and lost one in, in her previous two matches. So she'd had a breakout victory, but then she lost her singles match against somebody who was established. And I can't remember who it was. And it's like, oh, okay, she's sort of, she's had a great week. She's won a match. But Krejcikova, wasn't it? Krejcikova, okay, thanks. It was the Czech Republic. Yeah, I couldn't remember who it was. So it's like, okay, it was just sort of, there was an unbelievable week. She's won one, she's lost one. And she'll still, whatever happens to her in Canada this week, It'll still have been a, a, a landmark week for her. But the coach had the confidence, or the captain had the confidence to put her in mm. the final. In the first match as well, uh, sort of baptism of fire. And she said that she she hoped she'd be okay, but she didn't know until she hit the first return to serve. And she said as soon as she hit that first return, she's like, I think she'll be okay today. And I had my doubts, as I said, midway through that first set, but she didn't, the captain. And also, by the way, I asked her, as I asked her, Kusic about how she managed to get back. And she did give a nod to the captain because, of course, uh, at the end of each changeover and even during, of course, you get a lot of captain support. And that sat next to you on the bench so they can talk to you through this. I'm not telling you this, Nick. Of course, I'm telling one or two people in the audience that maybe either didn't get to see the Billie Jean King Cup or are not quite aware of the format. But the actual captain, of course, is there by your side pretty much throughout the match. So, yeah, just incredible. And I think... I sent you a message this week, which was like, this just this is just a, a, a shut and, and closed case. Shut and closed case? I don't know what that, the expression is. Open and shut case, is it, for Jakob Bobro Player of the Week? And it, and it has to be her. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Has to be. Um, yeah, this is her big breakout moment. And kind of reminds me of another young Canadian teenager with this time on the men's side, Denis Shapovalov. That's where we first heard of him mm-hmm. um, in the Davis Cup. Um, coming through um, and uh, making his debut for Canada. Although I don't think his his debut was uh, as impressive as Stekusic, um, but it's where we've kind of heard of him for the first time. Um, yeah. And I think Stekusic has now now made herself a name to keep an eye on, and that makes her very worthy Jakob Bobro Player of the Week, in my eyes. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, Canada, unbelievable. Um, but this show needs to sort of be around an hour or less because there's plenty of other things to right. talk about on the women's tour. And if you want to say anything about any of the results, I know you couldn't catch up with the the the, the tennis itself like I could. But uh, mm-hmm. and if, if there was anything startling regarding the results you saw from Canada or anything else, Billie Jean King Cup. Well, I mean, I've got lots to say about the... Italy and Czech Republic. Don't go worry about that. But but just in terms of Canada, I think the performances. Uh, like even though I couldn't watch much of the tennis, everyone was talking about the performances, particularly about Stakusic and um, Fernandez. By the way, we should also not forget that um, you know Canada, uh, Canada kind of came through um, their their groups pretty. Um, you know, they they had to really um, grit their way through um, uh, their semi final against a Krajikova uh, against um, Czechia. Krajikova is not yeah. cut herself. That would be <laughs> uh, entertaining. Um, but you know, we talk about Fernandez, but actually, the Fernandez Dubrovsky doubles partnership. Yeah, um, beating you know, and, and Krajikova. Yeah, which is a pretty tough feat to do in um, 
in women's doubles um maybe not a feat many other people will achieve going forward um but um yeah uh, that, that's something that maybe with um Taylor Townsend and Leila Fernandez maybe starting to play tennis less and less together maybe um Fernandez and Dubrovsky should consider playing together on the main tour yeah I actually saw uh, Townsend play doubles with Daniel Collins on Friday against Siniakova and Kochikova. And in that doubles encounter, I mean, Townsend is a very good reputation in doubles and, and Collins not too bad either. But in that doubles encounter, I felt that Townsend was a little bit off it and you can't afford to be off it against Kochikova and, and Siniakova. And I actually thought that, that, that Canada did well to get it to 1-1 on, on Saturday in the semi-final, uh, but I didn't think that they would do the come-from-behind win and end up with Layla and uh, Dobrovsky winning that um, that doubles match too, which probably is the match that that, that basically won the, the won the title for them. You know, all that day because the Czech Republic were probably the favourites going into the tournament. Yeah, and that was probably. I mean, you were on the ground. You could, you might disagree with this assessment, um, but I would have thought that I, I think that that was probably the tie of the event. Um, Czechia Canada given how it was a kind of a turnaround job from Canada they were the underdogs but every match was actually fairly closely contested um I don't know where the judge's score was I could be completely wrong there but 2-1 and it was uh, uh, Leila was a three setter I think um yeah. and of course they yeah, lost it the, the yeah, first... it wasn't close but the yeah both... it was seven six seven five was it no no um yeah the doubles, no, the doubles, the doubles seven, six, six, yeah yeah and that was that's a close match, even if it doesn't go to a third set, you know, that's almost two hours, as tight a set as you can get. Um, so, yeah, that was probably like a, a gritted out comeback from an underdog. That's got to be the main story, really. I think the only other tie that could have really rivaled it was maybe Czechia-US. Um, for yeah, the, I mean, I was excited by, by Czechia-US. I mean, the thing was, that could have been a final if the draws were slightly different. But, of course... They end up being in the same group along with the Swiss, which is an incredibly tough group. Um, uh, you could argue for having a f- four teams in a group rather than three. That way you don't get a scenario like Germany where they arrive, I guess, on Sunday or Monday or in Le- in, in, in Laura Siegmund's case, uh, Wednesday, I think, because she was in Cancun winning the WTA end of year finals um, title there in doubles. So she arrives Wednesday and then plays Thursday. And the, the problem with the three teams in a group is once you lose, you, you could, you can lose once and still go into your last match with a chance of qualification. So you've got two or three days of, of feeling a part of the event, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player or coach or whatever. If, unfortunately, in Germany's case, you lose your first match, but you're not the first team to have played in the group, you know, you, the other two teams have already played. You then lose that match, and I, I think it's probable, or almost certain, that you're out, and therefore you've just literally arrived and you're gone already. If you sort of mean with that scenario, if you're the yeah. second, if you're the of the three, because of course you'll have two teams or two nations play each other. The loser of that is not out because if they go and win their next match, they're fine. But if their next match, like in France's case, is against Germany, France win that, Germany are automatically out. They don't get another bite at the cherry in their in their last match. Whereas of course, if you had four teams in a group, you could definitely lose your first match and, and still be in with a very good chance of qualifying. Yeah. And that's I also think that's part of the reason why your three team groups 
are more complicated to follow. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, um, I'm looking at um, Group B, the Slovenia-Kazakhstan-Australia match. They both won one, won a match and lost a match. Yeah. And they were all three all in the matches. One tie, lost a tie, three, three in matches. How on earth do you work out the tiebreaker on that? So, yeah. um, whereas a fourth team can kind of bring, and I'm not saying that like if you follow those WTA fans and the ATP fans, sometimes it does get complicated. We saw that in Cancun a little bit with one of the groups we were like trying to work out live on air how things were going to work out um, during the Von Drusheva Goff match. Um, but I think that this is this is not, so yeah. Um, I can see why they're doing it like this because uh, you know yeah, you don't want players team. playing too many matches. I know, but you know maybe even expand the teams to six, but um and expand the teams have... six or just have fewer teams in the finals or just have fewer teams in the final have have two groups of four and semi-finals and final yeah that play them over a couple of days or something but yeah the yeah. um yeah there, there's different ways of working it working it but um yeah it's not an ideal it it, it works so it just provides some drama but yeah i'm just having a look at the results from czechia us and yeah none of the matches were particularly interesting um so yeah czechia canada semi-final was probably the tie of the tournament um and I think the, the Italians, though, I just want to say something on them. I mean, they were devastated to lose. I noticed that certain nations, had, there was, you know, Slovenia, for example, getting to the semi-finals for the first time um, uh, was an incredible achievement. And I think you could tell in that the way they took the defeats, it was still like a good time. I, I think, um, I don't know how the Czechs were because I don't think they did press Saturday night after going out. But maybe they would be a bit annoyed because of how they would have probably had a great expectation on themselves. But I think a lot of players and a lot of teams do come into this as, you know what, we're on the tour all year long by ourselves. Okay, I know they have a team sometimes and a coach. Some of the players probably have a lot smaller teams than others, depending on how deep their pockets are. And, And if you're very low down the rankings, then I'm sure you probably barely have a team at all. But even then, you're still kind of on your own to some extent. Uh, whereas this is like, a, you know what, we're going to go there and we're going to have a good time and, and enjoy this and, and and enjoy the camaraderie and enjoy meeting up with our captain for the first time in, in a few months, probably. And maybe, you know, being being on the same team as other people, being able to sympathize and defeat and enjoy the victory together as well must be quite a unique moment for these these players, which I think they enjoy. However, when you get close to winning like Italy in the final, then that 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 sort of camera not camaraderie is the wrong word that sort of sense of fun and enjoyment isn't there when you lose if you like because you are that i think say for the australians or 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 perhaps to some extent the french not the french captain he looked pretty job but a lot of the a lot of the players are just you know they're just enjoying it they can relax if you go out early maybe you get to enjoy seville or you get to go home a bit earlier um if you get to the final or have a great run then you know memories are made and and all the rest of it but um Paulini and Trevisan in the press conference afterwards, they were devastated. You could tell the the captain was trying to keep, put a brave face on it and was trying to keep keep things upbeat. But yeah, they were really upset. Maybe because they didn't quite show up in either of their matches. You know, losing in straight sets as they both did. But um, yeah, so near yet so far for the Italians. Yeah, so near but so yet so far. And they they were what are the stories of the tournament really? Um, let's be honest, the, the Italians, uh, like Paulini and Trevisan, well, Trevisan obviously we know has, um, great pedigree. 
as a, uh, a Grand Slam semi-finalist. Jasmine Paolini's had some wonderful matches with big names, including Caroline Garcia this week, uh, which was a real battle. Um, they didn't drop a singles match going into the final. They were really, they were looking really dangerous. They were. Um, and I, 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 I think we were looking forward to that. As that, that could go either way, really. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised they'd have. It would have been a, a wonderful story for them to win it. Um, and they've played some wonderful tennis, as you expect them to do. Um, but yeah, this is the second team event this year that they've lost in, because um, they also were in the final of the United Cup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Losing to the US. Uh, we that do was Frankstein and um, Bronzetti rather than Paolini. Yeah, we do see certain players that kind of enjoy this environment a bit more than others. You know, I mean, I'm thinking also in golf, there was a famous player, Colin Montgomery, who used to rise to the occasion in the Ryder Cup and used to be the star of the show, despite having, you know, other play other players in the team that were at least equally as heralded and yet when it came to winning a major he never could quite get over and he'd get he got nervous and would find that he found the pressure of the individual pressure in a major too much but he he loved the responsibility of the team and sometimes i think about that with with tennis players too that 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 rise to the occasion for for their nation in in, in team events such as this and on occasions we saw that and i think i spoke to paulini about this about you know maybe enjoying it no it was Travis Sand actually sorry because as you mentioned the United Cup and her having a good time there and I think she beat Maria Sakari among others in in Australia and then she was obviously doing so well until the final here as well and yeah I think I think people can rise and and, and thrive in that environment and and others can can cower in it but um but um you know Trevi San and Italy uh yeah so near so far and as you say twice this year it's been like that yeah um so well hopefully one day italy um, will win um not least because it will make our friend mario very happy um dancing um, on the streets of italy indeed indeed maybe we'll get that if yannick Sinner wins the atp finals in turin with the carota boys oh yes oh that's mario and the carota boys in one one space that would be brilliant um yeah so so yeah but yeah it's worth touching on them because also paolini is such a fun player um yeah. Great. She's a bit of an is she is she, is she a bit of a nearly person in tennis right now? I mean, she lost in Tunisia recently in the final, um, where I also think that maybe she was a bit anxious in that uh, in that particular encounter. She lost. I remember thinking in in a two fifty a year ago in Bratislava in the final. That was a three setter. I'm just not sure if she's actually even won a title. She has. She actually won the very first title uh, final she played in in September 21 in um, Slovenia. She beat Alison Risk in the final. It was okay. a hardcore event. Good. Um, Good. So she, but yes, you're right. It's it, it to, to a certain extent, you know, she is becoming a little bit kind of Sakari-ish maybe in that respect. Yeah. Um, they don't play too dissimilarly either. Um, but yeah, her uh, subsequently, yeah, she's been in two finals this year, but you know, she didn't, she's lost to Zhang Chin Wen and Elise Mertens, neither of whom are players that you would be ashamed to lose to, I think. Zhang Chin Wen was where? Uh, that was Palermo. Palermo. Oh, okay. Oh, she was in that final in Palermo as well. So that's three finals in the last 12 months that she's... Okay, so I, mean, I know she got she has won a title, but it's three finals probably in a row that she's lost then because I forgot yes. about that one in Palermo, but there was also this one in Bratislava a year ago. And then... But yeah, she's coming up against... You know, she's coming up against a player in Tunisia that's that's never lost there. Ten out of ten uh, matches, and um, 
and she came up against an arm absolutely incredible uh Leila Fernandez uh yesterday. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, she does have the capability of rising to the occasion. You know, I'm looking at her Wikipedia page and you know, she's got three top ten wins in her career, including against Arena Sabalenka and Elena Rabakina. Um, yeah. She so, said to me in Tunisia, she said she has the confidence. She can beat Rabakina, she said, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, Sabalenka, sorry, Sabalenka. She can. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason why and obviously she's got a win. I think she got a win over Azarenka. Um at the US Open or, or either a win or a very, very close match. I think that's where we most of us kind of heard of her for the first time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, apparently great. Um uh great job. Um I think what else? Uh let's let's circle back to uh we'll go back to the the checks later. Let's talk about the other kind of underdog story of the tournament, which was Slovenia, because mm-hmm. no one expected them to get to the semifinals. I did not think we were going to see Slovenia in the semifinals, but then I saw who was on their team, and we had um, Kaya Yivan, who has been a very, uh, has been a touted youngster for a very long time. Obviously, known mainly as Iga Swiatek's bestie, and also um, Tamara Zanzek, who is a Ronald Garros semi-finalist, and hasn't a bit like Marco Cecchinato from a few years ago on the men's side, not really kind of lived up to the billing since. Um, I think the only reason she was there because she beat Bianca Andreescu in round one of that of that year. But okay. um, great. You know, actually, two pretty solid players. So when you looked at their lineup, um, it wasn't a massive surprise. But still, given the group they were in with Kazakhstan and Australia, they shouldn't have got out the group, and yet they made the semis. Right? Yeah, they did. But I mean, as you say, Juvan was probably the the one who was sort of pulling up some trees um, along. You know, was the dancing. I'm just showing this this press conference from them on this image from the press conference them on Saturday. Um, I think it was, yeah, Saturday when they lost to Italy. Uh, as you can see, they were in pretty good spirits despite that that loss. But yeah, I mean, um, is it the first time at a Billie Jean King Cup as well? Um, that's the first time in the last stages anyway, semi-finals. Yeah, it's certainly the first time they've ever got that far in, yeah. uh, in a Billie Jean King Cup. You, um, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, Australia, you know, probably went into the tournament with a, not a great deal of belief. It was, um, I know this had a lot of tired players because they had Hunter and Sam. Well, they also had a player who has played sort of one tournament in January in, in Tom Janovic. And yeah. I think that took the Slovenians, Slovenians a bit by surprise. And it also, um, you know, it didn't work out. I mean, she lost the first set it was pretty tight to be fair. The first set that she played um, it was probably the first match of the tournament, actually. And she was she was up a break, Tom Janovic, but ended up losing that break. And it was one of those sets where I think she had four or five break opportunities and took one, and her opponent had two and took two. I think that might have been Juvan, actually. I'm not sure uh, that she played on the, on the opening day. But anyway, from that moment yeah. on, the Slovenians never looked back. Maybe they got a little bit lucky in their group. I mean, I mentioned a group with Switzerland, USA, and Czech Republic. And then you had another group, as you say, with Kazakhstan, uh, Australia and a, and a sort of very fatigued or, or uh, underprepared or, over, or or not prepared, let's say, ideally in terms of fitness, Australia uh, in their group. And, and Kazakhstan, of course, you're thinking, well, what about Rabakina? Rabakina was in town, but she didn't end up playing a minute of tennis. Some people might be going, well, what's the point? Uh, I think I have a far bigger question mark in terms of Paolo Badosa's inclusion for the Spanish team than I do Rabakina because... I think with Rabakina, it's like, listen, we'll put her in the team. She's, you know, one of the best players in the world. She has to be there. 
Uh, she also will see how she is after Cancun. Maybe she, she goes out early in Cancun and comes back and feels great. She did go out early in Cancun in terms of not making the semis there, but maybe I think she did have a bit of a cold. One of the, one of the members of the team uh, or, or the organization from Kazakhstan told me on, I think, Wednesday. So I thought she wouldn't play in the first match. She didn't play in the second either, Rabakina. But then even then you might say, well, what's the point? Well, I'll tell you, if they make the semis, Kazakhstan, then maybe that's just another day for her to rest, another, you know, whatever. You, 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 with a team event, that's the kind of luxury you can have. Palabadosa was never playing in this tournament. Okay. That was, she was, she's been out with a back injury uh, since May. Of course, you'll say, well, she did try and come back for Wimbledon, which was just clearly the, the, the wrong idea because that then basically finished her season. Why she suddenly thought, or someone thought that, well, I think I know why they wanted to sell tickets in Spain, you know, and have Bedosa there and have her in Seville and have social media posts from her eating uh, donuts in Seville. I call them donuts to you, Nick, but they're called churros in, in Spain. Uh, they're a little bit of a sour donut, but they're, they're sort of a Spanish delicacy. And there was a social media stuff with her and Sispas eating them a week ago. So I guess that's the only reason because there was never any intention to play her, that's for sure. Um, but that's, that's another story. And, and, and I understand it from a marketing perspective, but it's a pity for a fifth Spanish player that, that would have loved to have been there and could have played. Well, hopefully, if they play in Seville next year, Palabodosa will actually play. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be nice. I can't think, who else? I, th I think she must be the biggest Spanish player out there because they don't like Cerebus Tormo is a bit of a legend amongst tennis fans. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure. On the team, of course, but, um, Magru yeah, I don't think Magruth, we're not even sure if Magruth is going to play tennis again. No, no. Uh, Conchita Madness, of course, I saw her, as I said to you. Um, She's long retired, John. Yeah. <laughs> and I just signed for Yeah, yeah, bring them back. He was in town. There was probably more chance of them playing than Palabadosa, I'm telling you. You imagine if they, like, they would say, we, like, okay, well, who's the Spanish team? Who have we got? And, like, you're Slovenia, and you're thinking, like, hey, Kaya, Marla, what have we got? And like, it's Conchita Martinez and Aranta Sanchez Vicario. If you right. have a couple of injuries, you might just th throw him a racket and say, listen, we need you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so that was that. Spain, unfortunately, they lost both of their, uh, I think they lost both of their group matches. They were certainly out in the group stage. Um, so, yeah, that was unfortunate for them. But it didn't really lose any momentum, I don't think, the tournament in in that that can happen when when the host nation go out. But at least the host nation were there and, and played two matches. Yeah, and, I they, think... and, they, and they got a good win over Poland. They got a good win. So, yeah, okay, so they won one, one, lost one. Sorry, my bad, yeah. But they were they were out in the group stages. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's fine in a way because, there, as I say, there were still plenty of big names and plenty of big teams, i.e. Mm. USA and Czech Republic still, as well as, of course, Canada and Italy who were in the final, to, to make us go, wow, this tournament has still got a lot of intrigue left in it, even if the host nation are gone. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, it's, I think the organisers must be like frustrated at how the draw worked out because, um, but then actually, no, maybe not because actually we've got some great stories anyway, even if you didn't have both. We did, but I think, you know, you want, you, you want upsets and you want Slovenia to do well, if you like, and you want a, a, a romance story. Maybe you also want the home nation to do well as well. But, but the problem is with that is, is sometimes, therefore, you might get a lopsided semi-final, which mm -hmm. Italy, Slovenia end up being, because that was done in two. So just again, for those of you tuning in that aren't quite sure of how the format works, in the group stages, 
they still play the, the third match, which would be a uh, doubles match, even if even if it's 2-0. Because, of course, as we saw in the example of the Kazakhstan, Australia, and help me here, Nick, who was the other uh, country in that group? Slovenia, right? Um, yeah. In, in that group, you, you you those matches won and lost all end up counting if they all win one, one tie each, as that happened. Mm. So in the semifinals and final, though, it's done. So there was no doubles second. Sorry, there was no doubles match in the in the Slovenia Italy match because Italy won the two singles, um, and therefore you probably you, so you want some surprises, you want some fun, you want some shocks, but you still want to see some really exciting semifinals and finals. We still more or less got that with the Canadians and Czech Republic, and to some extent Canada and Italy, even if it was ended up being two and zero. But in a way, there was also this Czech Republic-America match or Czech Republic-USA match on Friday, which I was very keen on watching because um, because there was, you know, these are two teams that if they were kept apart could well have been in the final. Yeah, that's true. Although I think Canada would still have something to say about that. Uh, and maybe even Italy as well, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that they would have been among the four favourites probably before the tournament began. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um I mean, let's you know what, let's talk Czechia first. Um, yep. I think uh, let's let's get that done because we've kind of skirted around them a little bit because yeah, yeah, it's kind of a surprise they didn't win the tournament, but that's that's because of Leila Fernandez mainly beating Vondrusheva and then taking down the um, Krajikova Siniakova lineup. And uh, yeah, it turns out this is the last time that we'll see Krajikova and Siniakova play together at least for a while because they haven't ruled out getting back together. But apparently Katarina Siniakova wants to focus on her singles career. Yeah, uh, that's how it is. That what, did she say that as well? As well? Yeah, that, yeah, Siniakova and Krajik, Krajikov has also said the same thing. Like, this is how well, it's, it's... Okay, she said the same about Siniakova, but it, it does seem to be Siniakova's decision more than uh, Krajikova's, though. Yes, that's right. Um, and I'm not massively surprised because Siniakova actually has a lot of singles potential. Obviously, she had a very good... Maybe this run in Asia gave her some ideas. I mean, like, they hadn't been playing together every week anyway. Like, we saw in the grass court season, they went to separate countries to warm up for Wimbledon. Um, but, like, that run in, um, in Asia for Zinyakova, where really it was her and Fernandez who were tearing up the last 250s. Um, and she was probably a high, more high-rated junior coming through, at least very early on, than Krajikova. Um, early on, like, she was she was sort of ranked top 10 for her age group at one point. Um so, yeah, she has a lot of potential in singles. Maybe she feels like she can pull off a Krajika and rise up the rankings. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if it would... I don't know if it would harm or, or hinder them if they just played a bit less. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Coco Goff and Jessica Pagula uh, decide to sort of play a little bit less next year. You well, do... Jessica Pagula said on an interview on Tennis Channel they are going to be playing less next year. Yeah. But but still, I mean, I still think it's not bad. Um, you know, I think you know maybe be maybe just do it at slams or 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 even you know do it at slams on surfaces where you think that suits your game better. You know, in in maybe in Pagula and Goff's case, is a bit of a, a tricky one with Goff being so adept on clay. But but maybe they might go. You know what? We'll do it at the U.S. Open. And maybe we'll do it at Wimbledon or something like that, or or we'll do it at US Open and, and maybe Australia, um, uh, and be, just be, and, and maybe just skip the clay court double season, you know, for example, um, and maybe even skip it on grass too. So you just don't push yourself and you're too exhausted. 
Um, it will be, by the way, imagine if, if the USA had had Coco Goff and Jessica Pagula in Seville. I think we may well have seen something different. But yes. but anyway, uh, I mean, you have those two. You you probably win your doubles match each time. And I must say, though, I thought with, with the Czech Republic, I remember them playing the Americans. And I remember thinking the US need to win their two singles matches because uh the doubles is going to be is going to be tricky you know with with Sinyakova and and uh and Krajikova yeah. and, and they did did win that one uh, I think it was I think we said wasn't it? it was that was I actually watched that match that was straight sets but it was a a humdinger in lots of breaks of serve I remember and Daniel Daniel Collins, Collins versus um Daniel Sinyakova. Collins and Taylor Townsend versus Sinyakova mm-hmm. and Krajikova which was basically yeah. the decider to, to see who would make the semi-finals because it was 1-1 at that stage. Daniel Collins, who'd also been playing unbelievably well all week, you know, some real, you know, lights out tennis, but also shots from nowhere, you know, lobs that were clipping the baseline and, and all the other stuff that's in her repertoire, which is just, you know, she has an unbelievable toolbox in terms of tennis and, and I love watching her play. And, and she was bringing that last week in Seville. And that semi, that, that final match, if you like, which also, of course, is the final match for Kathy Rinaldo, his captain. A lot of emotion from start to finish throughout the week regarding that. There were tears in the opening press conference. There were tears at the end as well in the final press conference. There seemed to be a lot of love for Kathy amongst the team. They even said that, or she even said, Kathy said, I need to get a bench from a back garden so uh, you can all come and sit on my bench there. Um, so it was a lot of good stuff anyway. And there was a lot of smiles as well through the tears, despite them not making the, the semifinals. But yeah, that's that that final match, you know, US win that and who knows what happens in this tournament. Uh, they would have ended up playing the Canadians in the semi-final, which I think would have been a very interesting semi-final with USA versus Canada. But we also got an amazing semi-final with Czech Republic anyway, so it was great. But yeah, Daniel Collins was sensational. That, that match as well was there. There were chances for both. Taylor was probably not at her sort of doubles best you know bearing in mind that she's obviously had a very good year with with uh, Leila Fernandez on tour uh, in doubles this year I felt that Daniel Collins was the better player uh that uh, that particular day even if if this year Taylor Townsend is the more established doubles player this particular anyway um she was obviously carrying her singles form into that match although they both had chances on top of the net I think Daniel, Daniel Collins had a particularly horrendous volley on top of the net that somehow she managed to hit into the net when it seemed to be harder hitting it into the net than getting it over um she was taking the leaf out of harry kane's uh school of, of of hitting a ball hitting it into the net rather than over it um although harry kane did do that in the world cup in the penalty uh, for a penalty last year but uh football tick uh we'll move back to to tennis but yeah i mean uh, i don't know if there's any other stories you want to touch on uh, or any other nations no, I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered all the the kind of the nations, uh, not all of them, all of them, but all the ones I think are worth it. I think actually we may have mentioned every single nation at one point. Probably I'm been touched yeah, upon. I mean, we, have, we actually have probably not so we talked about at least may have been France. Um, yeah, I mean, France's performance probably sums up Caroline Garcia's year, you know, losing to Paulini as she did. Um, uh, she didn't, you know, she didn't, she didn't seem to be as, she seemed to be a bit down on occasions this year, Gussie. I wouldn't say that was the case when I came across her in Seville, but, um, but on the, on the odd occasion that I had come across her, uh, this year and also one or two other people, at least Vanch from Tortentes, I just thought that she wasn't quite the bubbly sort of 
Carlo Garcia that I want to see. Oh, she even did touch upon that in a press conference pre-tournament, I think it was. And she said these sort of, you know, significant words, which were, it's been a tough year on and off the court. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know exactly what she means by off the court, but possibly uh, the sort of coaching upheaval and then reappointment, I think, uh, may have been touched upon there. But uh, yeah, didn't go into too much detail. Germany, I did touch upon then. They look pretty glum. Uh, really to go home as early as they did, or at least in terms of go out as early as they did. Uh, and Laura Siegmund was frustrated. Even though I don't think this match really mattered, they lost their final. She was in a doubles uh, partnership. Uh, there was a curious thing with Tatiana Maria as well, where she was in the doubles lineup and then mysteriously didn't play the doubles match. Um, it was a last-minute change, which sometimes happens, but normally... That's when they've played a singles match and it's been a bit arduous or they played the singles match and they picked something up or just something happened in their singles match, which made the coach then decide to change. You know, it might be a confidence issue, but but um, the, 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 the captain side changed at the last minute and Tatiana Marie didn't play. She then played her singles match the next day for just three games and ended up um, not continuing. So maybe that's related to the to the absence, but the co the captain was very guarded when it came to the reason why he changed didn't explain he just said issues he tried to make it seem a bit better in that it was nothing serious but but issues um but yeah so the germans and yeah laura siegmund said basically that she just ran out of gas uh, and she was struggling physically in her match she also looked a, a very tired figure in in the press conference when i saw her after that doubles match and i think um the cancun exploit sort of caught up with her here in seville yeah um, possibly, possibly, yeah, I think for the Germans. I, with Tatia Marina, Maria, I'm hoping it's nothing too serious because given her age, you know, recovery from injuries like this may not be smooth for her now. Um, so we hope to see her back on court in 2024 yeah. doing pretty well. Um, I did want to just say, um, just touch actually on um, uh, moving away from the Billie Jean, the main Billie Jean King oh. Cup. Um, and uh, this is probably not something you're too familiar with, but it's uh, ironically, you know, we were talking about the US versus the Czech Republic um, or Czechia in the group stage kind of almost being a final. They actually did play the final of the junior Billie Jean King Cup, um, ah. which uh, the USA actually won uh, to, okay. to love, um, okay. uh, which ended up being, which is interesting because um, the, none of those names I'm really aware of, but whereas the Czech team had some very promising-looking youngsters okay. um, in there. Um, and they were playing in Cordoba, uh, so also okay. in Spain. Okay, uh, yeah. Main reason about an hour down the road from here, hour and a half. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. It's interesting as well. It's like, you know, they both played each other. It's kind of 1-1. So maybe the uh, the US junior team need to play the Czech senior team uh, for uh, spoils. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, what days was that held on exactly the same days? Do you know? Or I, I frustratingly don't have the exact. I saw a bunch of, 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 of juniors wearing. It might have been that they, they it was over a shorter period of time or, or something like Because I think on Tuesday or maybe. The 12th of November. So, yeah, it was more or less the same. Uh, it, when did it start, though? Sixth. Okay. Maybe, maybe they did a day trip or something because there was a load of junior players, like about. I don't know, a hundred of them, but maybe they were, maybe they were even younger actually. So maybe there was something else going on, but I just remember seeing a bunch of these, these, these kids, I would guess 13, 14, how old are the juniors? Um, 
well, um, we're talking players like um, for the British team, like Hannah Klugman, sort of like 14, 15, probably. Okay. Anyway, saw a bunch of these these kids that are sort of clearly representing the various countries because they were all wearing their sort of you know track suits with the attire. Uh, and by the way, Keen, I will will come to your question in a second. I'm sure uh, Nick can also um, add to what I've got to say on that question. But um, and I just remember seeing all these kids thinking. It's unbelievable to think there was like because about a hundred of them all passed through the, the press room as well, and it was like I said to one of the one of my colleagues, I was like, I'm able to think that one of those is probably going to be number one in about ten years from now, you know, world number one, yeah. um, uh, at some point. Or, or playing we, at the Davis Cup finals in twenty in ten years time, and like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, and like having the yeah, um, and actually um, the Spanish the Spanish team did pretty well in the juniors. They got to the okay. semis, but um, they lost. Um, to the Americans and then lost to the British team for bronze medal. Um, so Britain got the bronze. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about the juniors because that was all over my Twitter feed because okay. um, various individuals from the British team were tweeting that Katie O'Brien, former player, was the captain. Um, and obviously there are some British fans who are following junior prospects. Uh, and as I said, um, uh, Hannah Klugman and uh, Minju and Hetfazar um, Ola Wadare are all three players who are highly touted juniors from the British side. So um, it's a, as as a Brit, he doesn't usually get excited about British tennis. To be honest, um, it's kind of uh, it, it's it's interesting that these the they're still managing to generate some hype and and get some uh, notable results fairly um, early on. So I, that was just something else I wanted to uh, to touch on there. No. Very glad you did. Um, Nick, uh, I don't know if you've seen this question. I, I, I'm going to give my thoughts on it and then and then you can add to it. Keen, there is no better time uh, to make that transition. And it doesn't have to be a transition, by the way. You can be basically like me, where I'm, I think, this year more than ever. I've been probably a little bit more WTA than ATP, but uh, that may change next year if ATP is more exciting as, it, as I think it was in 2022, especially of a certain uh, Spanish... 22-time Grand Slam champion returns. But I also think this is a sweet spot because the ATP sucks right now. Um, uh, I just haven't seen, uh, uh, you know, I think about Australia. You know, we had a great Wimbledon final. We had a great Cincinnati final. Um, but I, I, know, I know Keane's really into the challengers. And so there's probably never a better time to either start watching more challengers or more WTA because, um, unfortunately... Uh, and this is nothing against Novak, but no one is stepping up right now. So every tournament does seem to have a fair well, Carlos end. isn't stepping up every week. I think it's probably and more. He hasn't stepped up since Wimbledon, unfortunately. But yeah, but no one else is either. No mm. one else is. So you, you're kind of on the ATP. You just you, you're hoping Carlos steps up because if he doesn't step up, there's no way that that someone like Stefano Tsitsipas or or Andre Rublev or unfortunately even right now Holger Rune. Is, is going to do it. So, yeah, he, he sort of follows more challenging, which is completely understandable. But like I say, in terms of WTA, I actually disagree with 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 the legendary Miles in that Miles thinks that there's not as many sort of big-name personalities on the WTA tours there were 10 years ago. But uh, he sort of highlights the sort of three or four big names from that point with, with Sharapova included, of course, and uh, and so on. But they, they're only big names now when we look back. You know, I know Sharapova and probably Serena were sort of went beyond tennis as well. But he th he threw in the the Polish player who got to the Wimbledon final. Who's Ravanska. Ravanska, yeah. And I'm thinking, 
she's not a name in the way that for me someone like coco is a name or mm. uh, naomi osaka is a name or emma raducano is a name or igas fiontek is a name or sabalenko and so on and so forth jackson pagula and i could go on and i'm sure i'm missing dozens of other sort of not not legendary figures yet although i think Iga's probably beginning that the first chapter of that book at the very least um but that they're, they're, they're going to be players we're going to look back on coco and, and naomi osaka and even emma raducanu no what else she does in the rest of her career going wow what about that us open run you know that's just out of, out of this world so so i i just think there's never been a better time to be more across the wta than than than, than ever before um, but it, it also helps because the ATP is so boring at the moment. Yeah. Keen, what country are you in? He's out in Ireland. Ireland, right. So I don't know much about the Irish broadcasting deals. So sorry about that. I know about the US and maybe a bit of the UK. Um, so I was going to say it also depends on how available the WTA is where you are. Um, the, uh, Which I is mean, a pity what... in a way to some extent. I know I get more ATP coverage in Germany than, than WTA, for example. Yeah, because like over here, actually, it's the other way around. Okay. Um, which is one of the reasons why I got more into the WTA. And actually, so Keen, I'm the opposite. I watch way more WTA than I do ATP and have done for the last couple of years. I don't watch the lower levels, not because I don't want to, partly because I don't have the time and partly because they're not available. Um, and um, yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think the personalities involved, the rivalries involved, the fact it's so much more competitive um, in and the I WTA. Think- Keen and has a very unusual take for me, but listen, tennis... I've seen that comment. Yeah. I've seen that comment and I'm trying not to address it because if I do, I'm going to go on a rant. Yeah, so... but I, I, I'll, I can, I can give a very much calmer response, which is that is exactly why it's much yes. more interesting. It's much more interesting. It's not serve dominated. It's like, you're going to get I mean, rallied. If, you're going to you know, get... Kalovic goes up a break, job done, you know, yeah. or we're just waiting for the tie break between Riley and uh, Riley Opelka and John Isner and, and uh, and Turin in particular but I do know that that, the tennis is an acquired taste and everything else that I know somebody for example such as 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 Carlos who I was with last last week um not Carlos Alcaraz Carlos because of the break the better known Carlos but also Damien as well they love quick courts I'm not a fan of 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 speedy hard courts for example in particular but but um but each to their own you know And, and, and and I get that but for me the fact that serve gets broke yesterday uh what's the name um uh fernandez was up but actually i think i i misread the score earlier i think i said six two six two she won the, the last match six two six three because she was up uh a double break but she seeded one of those breaks when she was trying to serve it out and then um she then broke uh paulina to win the match so mm-hmm. You know, I actually think that that adds to the randomness. And that's yeah. why I love it. I am no interest in watching a foregone conclusion. I am much more interested in watching a possibility of a comeback, a possibility yeah. of their, um, I, you know, I, some of them are like, is it, is it always for the best reasons? No, but um, I, I actually quite enjoy watching a set where every, where both players are struggling to hold in the men's and the women's game. Like there was a fifth yeah. set at Wimbledon between the men in between Hatchinov and Corner. Corner which was yeah, pretty yeah. much every game was a break. And I found it yeah. hilarious and I was loving every moment. Um, yeah. um, also regarding this, uh, you know, that I, I still think there's a huge advantage to serving. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on who it is. But yeah. I can think... If it's Rebecca of... serving and she's having a good day, you have no hope. <laughs> right, exactly. Serena as well and so on and so forth. Um, Sabalenka too, I think, when she's not got the yips. But um, 
you're right. Someone like Layla, maybe Maria Sakri to some extent, but Layla is, is the one that springs to mind in the sort of upper echelons of, of, of women's tennis. Um, just like you, you, you do worry about her when she goes up a break. But but then I also think about her match against, who did she play and lose to at the US Open in the first round? It was an excellent encounter. And, and who, it, it, who, who was that again? Layla, who did she lose to? I always forget. Oh, Garcia, I think. No, no, it definitely wasn't Garcia. That was in Australia. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so she played Garcia. It was another times. incredible hard hitter, but I can't remember who it was. She was just blasting. Oh, um, it was Alexandrova. Alexandrova. Um, and with Layla, you know, she would go up a break, but you never could quite trust it. But with Layla, you also knew she could go down a break or even down a double break, and she might get it back on serve, and she nearly did in the deciding set. So I prefer that drama and that unpredictability. Um, but I know that Damien, for example, loves Karlovich and he loves he loved going to that carpet tournament recently because it's so quick and and mm. he sort of finds it funny when it gets to like you know six all in 20 minutes, you know, because it's just surfbot and they're all the way the way through. But you know, someone like myself who grew up on Wimbledon, I used to watch a lot of you know seven six seven six seven six matches, and um, yeah, you're just waiting for the tie break. Yeah, this is, Wait, this and we've got a few of those at Wimbledon this year as well. Yeah, Djokovic, her yeah. catch was the primary example I commentated in that one. Yeah, although there was still some intrigue and drama in that one, and of course with the, I mean, in the final we had that twenty-eight minute, you know, um, game with Djokovic and Adarka. Yes, that was so good. Yeah, so there we go. But listen, acquired taste and each to their own. I right now just think that the WTA is, if it wasn't so poorly marketed, is the product at the moment in 2023 and and, and nothing key nothing can can sum that up better than a couple of whatsapp chats chats we've had recently where we're, we're in in group chats which nix is involved in as well where i have said okay um these are sort of six off the top of my head women's matches of the year blue touch paper lit go and there were like fifth no not 50 but 20 25 all serious contenders for the the women's match of the year i think on the men's side i mentioned four matches that were either definite or probables wait i'm still waiting for the blue touch paper to be lifted <laughs> because i think it went out quickly afterwards because that we were getting i mean there were so few and so real candidates i think shrihari mentioned a match between medvedev and Svedev at indian wells which was quite good i remember watching it in the pub actually in I was on holiday somewhere in Lebanon, I think, and uh, it was all right, but it was never like, it was never a Sabalenka, uh, Rebakana, AO. It was never a Sabalenka, Sviontek. It was never as good as some of the Wimbledon matches that we mentioned with, with was it Benchich and and uh, who did Eager go out to and and also Ons' run. And, At and, Wimbledon, uh, yeah, Eager lost to Svitolina. Svitolina, for example, and also basically a lot of Svitolina matches at that tournament, yes. but uh, also the US Open final between Coco and, and and Sabalenka. And I know it was 6-2, I think, in the final set, but you just didn't know if Coco was going to hold on and get over the line. Um, you know, I could go on. I could go yeah. on. And, and there were there were at least 20, 25 matches that were all contenders. Anyway. Indeed. Yes. Right. I am afraid that I am going to have to wrap this up, if that's all right with everyone. Um, I know Keen's got some more questions. I would love to talk to them. Um, but Keen, uh, come and join, come and join Vanch and Mario for an ATP match. You'll be pleased to know uh, for the um, 
Rublev Medvedev match. That is correct, yes. Um, in a group that's suddenly been split wide open by Zverev beating Alcaraz earlier today. Quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. Um, so, um, thanks everyone so much for joining who has as always, who comes on as always. It's been an absolute pleasure doing WTA Weekly in 2023 for the reasons John has said is that there's been so much good tennis to talk about. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess this, this is absolutely pretty much, I had, I mean, I had sort of semi thought about it, but, but I knew it. If this is yeah the last one of the year, I'm sure. This is the last of it, 2023. There's no other, there's a few W125Ks, but we're not really going to be watching those. And we'll probably keep an eye on the results. Um, yeah. so I think it's time to, um, Enjoy the ATP Finals, Savers Cup, and um, rest our WTA, our women's tennis um, fandom until January starts up with the United Cup and with the Brisbane 500. Um, and we'll be there with um, our Christmas decorations in the background, um, ready to go. Um, John, thanks for coming on and joining us from Seville. Um, hope you have a lovely break yourself. And uh, rest of you. I'll see you all very soon, probably for an ATP finals match. Go and join Vanch and Mario in about 20 minutes and keep talking tennis there. Have a good year. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.